Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviret, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. And welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your humble host, Robert. And I'm your very excited ha- host, Rich. <laughs> and our third man, Mr. Mr. Bill, is actually currently feeding his child. He's having a midnight feeding over, over yonder uh, in jolly old England. So he, he's yeah. here in spirit. Um, he cannot audibly be here, but he's definitely here in our hearts. I mean, he could audibly be here, but he chooses not to be. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, right? Yeah, but to be fair, he makes us get up early. So yeah, I know. And then he could stay he, up late. He canceled on us this morning. Uh, I'll have to buy a new car. So I, don't know, I thought he took the train to work. I thought he did too, because that's the only reason that he can. It explains why he can beat me in a lot of games. <laughs> Exactly. I think that like a forty-five minute transit. Yeah. And on days that he doesn't record, he spends his lunch hour walking around. Yeah. Uh, playing, playing games too. Games. So, what happens when you guys get to a game that needs a home console? Um. Well, Bill usually emula- emulates everything. <laughs> so. We at the uh, Taviran don't condone emulations. He owns all the games that he emulates. Just putting it out there. I do. Yes. I do for sure. <laughs> and when I don't, well, we just have to come to an understanding. <laughs> so, all right, uh, three minutes in, and we've already tangent off into role-playing games. That's awesome. So, Well, <laughs> kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, I know. I know. So today we actually have a double-up episode. We're going to go through Chapter 21, Listen to the Wind, and we're going to go into Chapter 22, uh, A Path Chosen. So, are you, are you prepared with your notes? I am. I finished these chapters today. Awesome. Just to, just to keep my mind fresh on them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, are you using Audible, or are you... How, how, what's your medium of choice for reading? Audible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, still, I still got the book. I'm still flipping the pages. I have the books. I could flip the pages, but... <laughs> eh, I like listening. Well, see, what? yeah, what, when I go, I'll read the chapter... Then I'll kind of skim the chapter a second time, taking notes as I go along, looking for passages to, to, to recite and all that. <clears throat> um, Wheel of Time news. Once they made that major bomb drop uh, a couple weeks ago, there hasn't been really much news to speak of. Um, have you heard anything on the rumor front yet? No, nothing yet. I mean, besides the one that you guys were kind of talking about last week. Like, just the joke? Was that a joke about the guy that was playing? That was a joke that okay. I thought was real, and I started to make jokes about it until Bill finally said it was a joke, so he sold it really well. Yeah, so I was like, oh my god, that seriously happened? Like, I'm not well, seeing it anywhere, and already the series has had its first scandal. Well, when he said, yeah, because he told us it had to do with white powder and dogs, but, you know, I, I took that to mean... The drug problem. That's what so, I thought. And I said, how ironic that our chapter is dust on the wind, and then that happens. He's so, getting our hopes up with all these, you know, jokes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy as ever that it was that it was false, and it was just Bill doing Bill things. Yep. I'm still. I'm hoping tomorrow is usually the, the wheel of wheel of time Wednesday or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what do they call it? 
I really want them to drop the news of who is going to play Lan. Well, I'm thinking that since they went with a um, a mainline actress for Ma Rain, Rosamund Pike, and they went with five relatively unknowns for for the younger Emmonsfield Five, I'm thinking they're going to go with named, you know, veteran talent for both Lan and Tom. That's my theory. I mean, I have no idea who they're going with, but you know, thinking the same way. I'm hoping I, that would make make really good sense for them to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it drives the, um, you know, the, the viewership of, of that yeah. show whenever it comes out. I'm, I'm here's here's my two two guys for that. Okay, I would really like to see Drawer Butler as Lan. He could be a good Lan. I think he I think he yeah he's a good he could be a good Lan. Yeah, um, and then Drawer Butler or, you know, we talked about Sean Bean. But I don't want him to die again. <laughs> you don't know so, what happens anyways. to Lan. If you're going well, to cast, I know it doesn't happen to Lan. At least I don't know it does. <laughs> you're giving him the death. You're giving him the death call. I guess. <laughs> but eh, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping they do pick a well-known actor for this. I mean, even if they pick like Liam Neeson, he's not doing anything. Liam Neeson's good. A little bit long in the tooth these days, but you know that he could do it. He could. Yeah, he could do that. Um. What? Oh, did did you hear the one rumor? This is this one's a little little bit older, but uh, about Tom Felton, the guy who played Draco Malfoy. He was seen in in Pro in Prague, I think, working on his sword play. Huh. And that was you know rumored to be. Oh, is this going to be Dane Bornhold? You know the blonde hair and the and the white cloak kind of look that he can give. I could see that. Yeah, that would be that would be a good part for him anyway. So he he he's not doing much either. So yeah, he did have that stint a little bit on uh, the Flash. Was he in that? Yeah, he played a doctor. He was also in a in a TNT show, a murder mystery in TNT for a season or two, I think. But um, so I I mean I don't like him. No, probably because of uh, his deal in Harry Potter. Uh huh. But I. I could probably not like him in this in this show too. Well, you know who else would make a good Dane Bornhold? <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know his name, but the guy who played Joffrey on Game of Thrones. I hate that guy too. He, I heard he's been severely blackballed in Hollywood just because he's been so typecasted. He may be the nicest guy in the world, but that character was so universally hated. True, but yeah, it happens. It, it does. But he would he would be a good uh, white. He'd make a good white cloak too. All right, so you guys hear, heard it first <laughs> yep. here on the Todd Varian Podcast. Joff, Joffrey Baratheon is our first White Cloak and Draco Malfoy. There you go. There, There's a duo for you, Draco Malfoy and Joffrey Baratheon, White Cloaks in training. I mean, you might as well. Yeah. I mean, that, is a, that would be great. They, they, they're both kind of young actors. They both already have the chops to play that, that dickhead kind of role. That, that, that would be a dream. That would be kind of a dream pairing for the White Cloaks. Yeah, it gives us more reason to hate them because we're supposed to hate them anyway. Yes, yes. So might as well because when you see them, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to hate these guys. I get that. <laughs> I don't know why yet, but I hate them. Do you have any uh, casting dream dream thoughts for, for Tom? I think I think you had mentioned Robert Downey Jr. on an earlier pod, but anybody else crop up? He would be really good, but let's face it, the the cost for yeah. RDJ is, is pretty – Astronomical. Um, I mean, he could be looking for his next project. It, yeah, but that. But 
the thing is though with this prime series he's it's a long series yeah it is and you know so i don't think he'd be up for it um <laughs> he just got done one massive series yep um he tom's a hard one to cast because you think you think of characters that look like him but they wouldn't act like him and you think the characters no. that would act like him don't normally look like him so he might be a tricky one to kind of to kind of nail down so worst worst casting suggestion toby to- mcguire as tom yeah <laughs> oh my god that would be the worst thing ever <laughs> if you unless he's like emo spider-man from spider-man 3 then you know <laughs> god i can't even i can't I'm, I'm thinking of now i can't even think of anybody like everybody i'm thinking of for tom i'm like well he looks like him but doesn't act like him yeah or he acts like him but he doesn't look like him i don't know like like mel gibson mel gibson has the hoops and the charisma to pull off a of tom Marilyn, and he and he's got the 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 physical background to take you know because tom is tom is a physical kind of character no gibson yeah why not well he's also crazy that didn't that didn't stop any have you heard the reviews on joker so far with um uh joaquin phoenix yeah apparently they're gonna be it's it's really good apparently he's already won the oscar yeah but yeah so you want to talk we want to talk crazy that's true. Crazy and talented that's... aren't normally opposing opposing thoughts. <laughs> okay. But, um, I got nothing. <laughs> like I don't know who we cast for that guy. I know. So Rafe Rafe has his homework at least with the Tom casting. We we've settled we settled Land and we settled a few white cloaks for you, Rafe. But 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 Tom, we're gonna put on you, buddy. We we hope you can bring that one home. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I just don't know. Can't think of anything. Like it's probably gonna be an unknown one for that. Maybe I mean if, if 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 they do that, then they definitely need a a brand name uh, for Lan. They would have to. Yeah, yeah. So so moving on, we didn't have any new uh, reviews on Apple, but as Bill and I teased, or we we all teased last week, we we did have a YouTube uh, kind of re- semi review. Uh, I got it right here. Um, it's from Simon Kelly, and it simply says, "Good pod. Have listened to other recent Wheel of Time pods, Harry Potter." And Harry Potter appears to have changed a generation. So, thanks for the kind words, Simon. We'll keep up the good work, and we will do what we can to get more uh, episodes out there. I know we're a little behind on on the YouTube um, episodes. I think we're up to chapter fourteen on YouTube, but we'll do what we can to pound the midnight oil to try and get those episodes out for our YouTube listeners. I forget about that thing all the time. <laughs> At least, because I'm not in charge of that. I don't even know. Well, I'm not either. Like, I, I can put our audio out there, but Tyler, Tyler was the one who um, takes care of the of the YouTube side. Bill says he can do it, so I think we might have to ask it, ask him to to be our YouTube guy too, while Tyler is still working on real life things. Yep, I'm just the commercial guy, <laughs> and you are you're you're our you're our bona fide pitch man. <laughs> Yeah, I hope everybody really likes our commercial that I did. <laughs> or at least the introduction commercial. I don't know. That took me a little bit to do. Yeah. I I tried I tried one of those for the for the Mario Talk podcast and it's like all right, I'll, I'll do what I can. I'm I'm not normally this talking to my like like you put talking to myself. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want me to do those for you, I can. <laughs> well, hey, I might have to I might have to might have to see about that then. It took me 60 well, not 60. It probably took me 15 20 outtakes but it felt like 60 really yeah because i mean i did try not to you know be too over the top 
but I did curse a bunch of times because I was, uh, I would start talking and I'm like, oh, this sounds really great. And then I would stumble and couldn't recover. And I'm like, ah, crap. As long as you said crap, if you said anything worse and then it got out, you're like, no, oh, no. I said worse. I said worse. <laughs> hey, you might want to keep those files separate. I did. Well, the good thing is, like, they delete it after you, like, if you re- want to record a new one. Oh, okay. It overwrites the old one? Yep. Thank God. Uh, okay. See, I, yeah. Little, little pulling back of the curtain here on the top of your end. We 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 are a very transparent podcast. We we share everything with everybody. So yep, we do. <laughs> All right. So without uh, further pause or tangents by either of us, let's get let's get into uh, our double feature today. <clears throat> so chapter twenty one. Listen to the wind. Um, one of those short kind of character building chapters. Uh, we get our first chapter from the perspective of the Emmons Field uh, Wisdom, Miss Almiera herself. What are your thoughts on this chapter, Rich? Okay, so with this chapter, I I did like how they set up um, how she really felt about uh, Moraine. Mm-hmm. Naive basically does not like Moraine. Just For, yes, like right off the bat. We five different know- reasons why. Yeah. So she does not like the fact that the that she has come between and basically whisked away the Emmonsfield kids, we can say, the young ones, mm-hmm. and got them wrapped up in this, you know, godforsaken war or whatever is going on with Aes Sedai. So she's freaking out about all this. She's trying to protect the, the Emmonsfielders, you know, just trying to get them home. It's her duty. Yeah, that's that's her job as a wisdom. She's supposed to, but now she's you know separated from them. She can't figure out you know where they went. So she stumbled across uh, when she woke up the next day. She you know found her way you know up the river a little bit because she smelled fire. Yes, and she wasn't sure what it was, and you know she found Moraine, you know just doing stuff and land there as well the water, and yep. spying on them. She just kind of watches them a little bit, you know, trying to figure out, okay, is it safe for me to come out yet? Do I need to just see what's going on? Well, even before – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to – No, you're good. Okay. I didn't mean to to jump in there. But even before she comes across Moraine and Land, I have a note here, you know, she she kind of reflects on the night before, and she did have an encounter with Trollocs. They were coming for her. Then if they stopped, and they appeared to have smelled the air. Oh, yeah. And then they did a 180 – and they just left her. And, you know, the first instinct is relief. Like, oh, my God, I'm not going to die right now. Which is but, good. Which is good. But then her very next thought is, oh, crap. They weren't after me. And they smelled exactly who they were looking for. Yeah. So, you know, she's she's always yeah, – the one the complexity is naive is that, you know, she has this rough, rough, like kind of rugged exterior. But her true heart is just care and well-being of – Everybody, not just her or her loved ones or people close to her, but she really does care about everybody. I think when they were leaving um, Barillon, she wanted to go back and help the people at the Stag and Lion when it was on fire. You know, she knew yep. the logic behind why they had to go, but she was still upset because her instinct was to go help people. But this was another one of those where she's like, you know, oh, they did a 180 and that can't be good for, for you know, the boys. Yeah. Now, the one thing, too, people need to, you know, if they're listening to this or reading this with us, um, try to get an image of what Trollocs actually look like. They're half 
animal, half human. If I'm understanding that correctly, right? They they could they're like they could be beast like. I think some have beaks, some have fur. They're just it almost to me was like the scraps mm-hmm. of of leftover you know whatever that were ma- that were made into Trollocs. Yep. So think of Trollocs basically as mindless drones, basically hunting by basic instinct. They know what they need to do. They know who they're finding. Yep. They know what they, what it smells like. So to put that in perspective, you know, Nynaeve is not their target. Correct. But when she's running away and then they all of a sudden they stop and they take off, that's a bad sign. You know, yeah, she's out of the woods and everything, but she knows deep down, like, well, that's not a good thing. They caught the scent. Yep. That means that's that's going to be trouble for whoever, you know, they, they are looking for, really. Because they don't know who the Trollocs are looking for. Like, they don't they don't know out of the three boys who's the important one. They just, yeah, they just knew of the three boys, not specifically which one, but one of the three. So I think they had the sense locked down of each of the three. But but I know. We're not talking about that. We're not going to spoil it. Yeah. Well, I know some of it. I don't know all of it. You guys know all of it. Yeah. So anyways. Well, so, so like, you, like you said, so, she does come up on, on the camp that, that Mulrane and Lane had set up, and she eavesdrops a little bit on their conversation before confronting them. Do you, you recall what she's able to pick up before she uh, stum- before she uh, reveals herself? Yeah, she's basically listening to Moraine and Land talk about the boys, like where they're at. You know, she's able to find – she's got one of them across the river, and she's got two of them that are down south that she can faintly find. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know if they're there because it's fading away. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't know if that's going to be something, you know, they're in, they're caught yet or they're not. So that's her big thing with that. And there was one other big concern that they were worried about. They're also worried about if they were going back to find them, if the Trollocs were coming back to, you know, try to find, you know, if they did in fact escape. True, true. I also have a note here that says that they were concerned why so many were so far south so quickly. Oh, yeah. So, you know, a fist maybe can make it south unnoticed or undetected. But and the fist is like about a hundred, right? About a hundred, led by a Kevin. Yeah. That uh, they 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 guesstimated there must have been at least a thousand trollocs, and there's really no way that a thousand trollocs can make it out of the blight, past the borderlands, all the way south to to the two rivers and such, without detection. Dun dun dun. Yeah. And yeah, also, bad. I have a note here that Mulrain gives us our first mention of of some entity known as the Ways. We have no idea what that is at this point, but it's mentioned for the first time, I think, right here. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember them talking about it any other time but now. So, yep. Mm-hmm. So we know it's something called the ways. So yeah. and Lane, <clears throat> Lane actually makes big, good points that he's very concerned with it because, you know, the borderlands would be overran if, if that kind of thing happened. Um, Trollocs could all of a sudden appear out of anywhere and get into the larger cities without even anybody knowing by the time it's too late. So yep. that's what his big problem with that is. So we can kind of gather um, at this point that the borderlands, you know, land is land appears to be maybe from north in the borderlands, but the whole point of the borderlands is kind of like the first watch of of Trollocs. Yep. You know, Trollocs need to get past the borderlands if they're trying if they're trying to ransack any any of the um, you know more more like farms and, and cities and, and, and other metropolitan areas, they got to make it through this place called this area known as the Borderlands. Um, 
and land seeing so many with without no notice from any of the borderland countries has him very not uneasy because land doesn't get uneasy but questioning questioning what he needs to do next as far as how how could this have happened yep and do we get to see a little bit of a glimpse of potential copying of joe joe rr martin hmm i mean i i know that the we that the eye of the world was written before game of thrones which is the first book of song of ice and fire so any 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 copying i'm i'm gonna have to say would be martin copying of jordan correct and didn't he even say though I hate to bring these up, you know, talking about Game of Thrones and everything. He even said he got inspiration from Robert yes. Jordan. Yeah, so, so I think Martin even wrote some some Robert Jordan fan fiction himself. I think that's so, – I'd have to find that, but I, I believe that is the case. So Correct. So that's – I just want to bring that up, and you could see the def- definite connection between the two mm-hmm. and how Robert Jordan was definitely a big influential person to a lot of people, a lot of authors. Oh, God, yes. Yes. So. I mean, without even thinking, you know, Martin – um, Sanderson, obviously, uh, Patrick Patrick Rothfuss is another uh, author I like. The Kings Kingslayer Chron- Kingslayer Chronicles, I believe, is his mm-hmm. series. But yeah, he, he, Jordan's reach is is, is very ever spanning. Yep. So now that we've talked about Game of Thrones, we'll probably talk about it again. But anyways, <laughs> so we get past that, and all of a sudden, you know, Moraine looks over, looks directly where uh, Nynaeve is, and just tells her, "Why don't you just come on out?" <laughs> Come on out here. We have tea for you. Yeah, I have. We have. We have the beginnings of a, of a friendly conversation between BFFs. Yeah, you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> they one of them wants to kill the other. <laughs> and then I guess th- this is the scene where where Nynaeve approaches Maureen and gets to a certain point and then lands like that's enough and puts his arm out. And the line was like she tried to move the arm and it would have been easier to to move an oak branch. <laughs> yeah. He's a big dude. He's a big dude, and he's stronger. And he's big, but even still, he's stronger than he appears. Yep. Now that may or may not be. He may not be having, uh, you know, enhancements. Maybe, maybe he shoots out some roids. It's wheel of time speaking with his connections to to my range. He does CrossFit. <laughs> the CrossFit. Yep. He, he gets his steps in. Let's put it that way. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so that's. But again, it shows the protection that Lan has for. Moraine, like yes. the warder and his Aes Sedai. He will stand between anything to protect her. Even angry, petite women who are just happen to be walking up to her. It's like poking a bear. <laughs> I got to know here, says, says, hmm, why is Nynaeve so concerned about what Lan thinks of her? Including that she, including him finding out where she hid her horse. So that was another thing. She tied her horse, like, somewhere before she came upon the camp. Yep. And... Lan went to go find her horse, and, and internally she's thinking, good luck finding that. And he comes back with the horse, and she's like, damn it, he found the horse. Yeah, he's not hes not stupid, and he's actually pretty good at what he does. I know, I know, but it, it's, its you know, we know the answers, but yeah. like, why does she I care so much? I want to talk about that so bad, but, I mean, we can't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, when I first read this, I was clueless. And so I, it like, I became it very into blatantly apparent. I was just like, you yeah, know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We got we got other stuff to worry about. I didn't see that coming. I'll, I'll, I'll wholly admit that until it was very obvious. I was just like, whoa. 
I didn't see yeah. that coming. Then I read it a second time. Like, yeah, I should have seen that coming big time. <laughs> By now, people probably figured it out. I'm like, okay, I got what you're talking about. We're not going to say it. <laughs> so what did you think of the conversation that Moraine and um, Nynaeve had? Well, I like the fact that Nynaeve is straight, blunt, to the point. What are you okay. doing with the boys? Why are they with you? Why do they get messed up in some eyes at ice scheme? You know, the Moraine's being all calm and coy, like, oh, uh, sit down, I have tea, we, we can we can have tea and, and talk this over, you know, and then she's like, no, answer my questions, why, 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 until it finally gets to a point where Maureen's like, yeah, um, I've answered your questions, now now you can answer some of mine, and she's like, what are you talking about, and then Maureen's like, well, we both know you can channel, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. You got to look at it. Moraine did not even answer any questions. Correct. I she basically ask. skidded around all of that very elegantly and with very with a lot of gusto behind it. Mm-hmm. That is how who she is. She could basically dance. And that's, that's another reason why Tom Marilyn says this. The words that an ice die says may not be the truth. That's right. The truth you hear may not be the truth you think. They're just that good. And we don't know why they're always truthful. Yeah. That's another spoiler. Ah. <laughs> Anyways. I love teasing, but it says, I got Maureen tells Nynaeve that she can channel the one power. Nynaeve is not listening, but admits yep. to having the symptoms. That's the whole thing was when, you know, she denies that she can channel. Maureen's like, well, have you ever had something happen that was beyond beyond reason that you, you know, you you did you did some miraculous healing job, and you can't explain why. Yeah, it's because of the drugs. <laughs> and then and then recently after this miraculous healing, you yourself become deathly ill. Yeah, because <laughs> of the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> She's able to heal quicker than normal medicine should be able to heal, and then shortly after she becomes deathly ill for a bit, and then. You know, Nynaeve goes into a little bit of a story about, it was Egwene, I think, that she healed. Egwene, yep. I forget the exact name of the ailment. I do. It's uh, bone fever. Bone fever. And the, the current wisdom at the time was like, mm, you know, she needs to make her peace. Her family needs to make peace. This is a sad time. And Nynaeve just happens to, like, check her out. And all of a sudden, she, she, she got better within a day or two. And no one could understand why. Now... That, that could probably be the fact that that was one channeler trying to heal another channeler. So maybe they both helped each other out, but it possibly, fits, yeah, possibly, but, but it fits, it fits the story. She healed this miracle healing. No one can experience, no one can understand why. Then two or three days later, she, she, Nynaeve herself became deathly ill. And even with these two facts still kind of staring her in the face, she's still in full denial mode, you know? Yep. But the one thing that she does say, and it's the line used to, to end the chapter, she goes, you know what? I am going to learn a channel, and I am going to learn to use the one power. And I'm going to use it on you for revenge. Yeah. It's a little intense. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. End the chapter. Now, yeah. Let's go back real quick to that conversation again. So with that, you know, the healing of... You know, she helped uh, Egwene and Perrin and, and various other people, you know, in the village as, as yep. wisdom. She was, you know, definitely well ahead of her time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she was put in charge of being a wisdom because she was very skilled at what she did. People didn't understand what she was doing. They just realized that she was good at what she did. A lot of people did think that she was too young to be a wisdom, yes. but they didn't really understand that she had the one power to do that. Now, what's special about her healing of the people that she has, that puts her a connection to the to the I want to say victims or whatever. Um, so think back to the chapter where all of a sudden Nynaeve just shows up out of anywhere at uh, at, at Barillon. Yes. How did she find him? It's because of that connection that she has with Egwene or Perrin. Either one of them. Those two are at the barn or at the um, what inn was that again? Was it the, the Baron? line? Dagon line. Okay. Those two were the only ones that were there at the time, and that's how she was able to find them. She made it right to them. That is true. I mean, she 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 kind of says it's because of her father's master tracking abilities that maybe got her to the city limits of Berlon. But I think yeah. you have something there as far as how she was able to discern where in Berlon they were. Yep. And that's where and that's where Moraine's like, that's not normal. <laughs> yep. Like that's not you just you just can't do that. Normal people can't. You can't. One other thing about, you know, that we heard about very early was that, and I mentioned this with Bill, uh, Moraine had referred to Nynaeve's child when they were all back in Emmons Field. And Nynaeve took exception to that. Right? That was like one of the, yep. oh, they were like, oh, she called her child. Oh, God. Oh, boy. But you'll come to find out that Aes Sedai referred to beginners or, or or novices of the one power as child so yep. in the beginning when she referred to Nynaeve as child it was more or less her way of saying yeah i know what you're capable of that's why i'm going to call you child yep. so that was like a it was one other burr in Nynaeve's side to make her not like ma rain and b it was maybe maybe uh for better part uh lack of a better term foreshadowing of what Nynaeve is capable of. Correct. So. And she even makes comments about it saying like, you know, Egwene is probably going to be the most powerful Aes Sedai they've seen in centuries. However, yeah, Nynaeve yes, right. is going to be stronger than her. So once again, it's, it's Aes Sedai words. So she's yeah, going to be the best, knows, but still, but you're be better. Scary. So that pretty much wraps up chapter 21. Um, yep. So there is more going on in this chapter than there is in the next one. I'm just going to throw it out. Yeah, there. more more character building. I have less notes, but more character building um, between, you know, Nynaeve and, and Moraine and Nynaeve and Lan. But anyway, uh, chapter 22, A Path Chosen. I do like some of the um, humor. I do like some of the humor in this chapter, too. Um, this is this this whole chapter is from his parents' perspective. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. I have. I'm going to give a, a dungeon. I'm going to geek out with a Dungeons and Dragons reference. I say, <laughs> Parent has a strong nature rating because he's able to sleep hidden under a pile of branches. He's avoiding notice of Trollocs or Kevins. So he, he was able to to be able to you know be out in the woods and, and figure out a way to to rest uh, undetected. So that, that's good. That's good. That's a good nature rating for him. Yep. Um, and then once again, as Parent. As we found out, Parent is not slow, but deliberate. So he, he tries to weigh all his options. Does he get dry? No. Does he search for food? No. Search for Egwin? Yes. 
Perrin uses deductive reasoning to answer his questions to where Egwene would be, and he searched for her downriver. So, you know, you can see the process, you can see the thought process since this chapter's from his perspective. And, you know, he's not just randomly doing stuff, or he's not just slow and just doing whatever. He's, like like I said, using deductive reasoning to, to discern where she is, and he's like, well, she probably went downriver. That's that's got to be my priority is to find out where she is, and he made and he made for he made for her downriver, right? Yep, yep. I do like that. I mean, it it shows that he's he's able to you know do what it takes and get there. And he's on a mission. He's just very driven. Yeah, that's thing. He that's what he you know it'd be nice to be dry. It'd be nice to have food, but no, he's got to make sure Egwin's okay. Yep. So. um a little foreshadow here. I said, Perrin, the stealthy wolfman that he is, he sneaks from trees and bushes to avoid being seen. Uh, he saw hoofprints and, dedu- and deduced that they were actual horse prints because, you know, Trollocs do have hooves. Some of them have hooves. But he was able to track those hoofprints and discern that they were just made by horses. And he, I think what he said was the, the horseshoe prints had the extra um, strengthening. I, I mean, I'm not... Not, I forget what it's called, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, the band across the horseshoe. That's his blacksmithing experience taught him that that's something that's used for actual horses, for horseshoes. So when yep. he saw those in the tracks, he knew this was a horse, not a trollic. And, of course, he was able to track down Egwin, and then those horse tracks were, of course, the, the creator herself, Bella. As, as Bill would like to put her. Yep. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Bella is the creator of all things. So, the way it is. <laughs> so, Perrin comes across he, the egg. Egwin was found by a warm fighter by a warm fire eating some food. You know, he was all this time worried about how she was going to be that he foregone getting food or getting dry, and he finds her, and she's she's dry and eating. So she was she was way better off than he gave her credit for. <laughs> That's true. He's, so. She's just like, oh, I have a fire, everything else. I'm nice and warm. Yep. And then you look, at, you look at Perrin. Yep. Or, uh, yeah, Perrin is just like, um, I'm freezing. I'm I freezing and hungry, yeah. <laughs> and, and worried about you. So, like, the little bits of humor, there's a little bits of humor in this chapter, and that's one of them. Like, he was so worried about her, but she, she was fine. What are you yeah, worrying about? Totally. So... Perrin and Egwin have to figure out what the next plan of action should be. Um, one thing that happened from this conversation is that Egwin actually asked for Perrin's opinion and waited for his answer. This kind of took Perrin back a little bit because he's he's used to being dismissed or his ideas were not, yeah, that's just Perrin and we don't have to listen to him. But yep. in, this, in this actual moment in time, Egwin is requesting his opinion and, and willing to weigh what he wants to say. So basically, he has to, yeah, you know, he has to be a leader. Yeah, but he he recalls how you know he he knows how two rivers women can be, so yeah, yep. that's more or less why he was like taken aback. So two normally two two rivers, but normally two rivers women give the men their opinion and expect it to be followed. That's how it goes. But once again, once again, Perrin uses deductive reasoning and recalling her father's map back from the um, wine spring. Um, Perrin recommends bypassing Whitebridge. That's the next town along the road and would be the, the, the most logical location for them to go, which is 
what he's thinking how the Trollocs are going to think. So he's like, yep. we can't go to Whitebridge. They'll be waiting for us there. He says, all together go straight out to Camelot. So, you know, then he's out. He, he drew some lines and sticks in, in the strings. Like, We're here. Whitebridge is here. We should go here to Camelot. Yep. Just let's go around that. Yeah, we'll skip the obvious place and go to the next point of interest. And hopefully, Moraine is thinking the same way and will look for us there in Camelot. And he, you know, he, he gives his plan and he waits for Egwene to pick it apart and tell him why it's stupid and they shouldn't do it. But to his to his surprise, she says, "Yep, Camelot. That that sounds right. Let's do it." That's that's basically you know the great. That's a good decision for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes it makes sense. So I have a little note here. Is that could this be a little bit of Taviran at work? Because we know that you know some of the powers that they have to bend bend the wheel around them. So maybe Egwin got a little a little affected by the Taviran there and and said, "Yep, that's a good idea. Let's do it." Oh, that's that's my thought. Because he was he was sure as anything that she was going to say, "No, I want to do this," and he'll be and he was ready to go. Okay, we'll do it your way, but. You know, not only did she ask for his opinion, but she she agreed with it right off the bat without question. Yeah. So that was my thought. A little Taveran at work, but the best is the ending of this chapter, which cracked me up. He goes, you know, after after she gave parents some food, he asked for seconds, and she shot him down. Yeah, <laughs> I love. And then I said, and I know because I guess the Taveran was wearing off at that point. Probably. <laughs> I mean, you got to think of it too. He's probably really hungry. Um, he is a big guy. Yeah. And uh, he does need his food. <laughs> but, you know, he has the means to capture a rabbit. He's he got does, the, but the he was he was so focused on Egwin. That was his first priority was Egwin. He, he, so now that they're together, that's different. He can go hunting and all that. But I just love it. It was like, you want my opinion? Oh, okay. Uh, I think we should do this. Oh, okay. You agree. All right. Hey, can I get seconds? No. <laughs> This has to last. Selfish boy. <laughs> I just love the way that he was all feeling himself for just a smidge he was feeling. Because so, that's not how paranormal is, but for just a smidge he was feeling himself. So we asked for seconds. He was like, shot down. <laughs> I love it. I mean, the, the, the brilliance of the humor is in its subtlety. Same way in earlier in the chapter when parents wet and hungry, worried about Egwene. And she's dry with a full stomach. You know, and he's like, I was so worried, and you're doing better than I am. So, yeah. I think it was a good idea on Bill. I'm going to say it. It was a good idea on Bill to to double up these chapters because they, they're, they're character building. They're two separate. We're, we're starting to get our chapters that are in not Rand centric. Yeah. So, we're starting to see the internal thought process of some of these characters, like Dineve and Perrin, and, you know, we'll get the other characters down the road. But this, these are good, I don't want to say mini chapters, but they're good character building chapters with not a lot of meat on them. So doubling them up probably was the best bet. I agree. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, they needed to, to have these and, you know, to kind of build up first with a chapter previously about how Nynaeve is really at war against any, anything I said I. Mm-hmm. Uh, explains how Moraine knows about uh, Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. And then having this conversation, you see the relationship between um, Perrin and Edgren. And you need to see that. Yeah. I mean, they, they've known each other all their lives. And it's always been strictly platonic friends. You know, she's the mayor's daughter. He's, you know, the blacksmith apprentice, you know, 
they know each other. They, they both have mutual friends in Rand and, and Matt. And, you know, he knew and he also knows how Two Rivers women can be. So it, it, it was good character building to see the two of them nothing more than friends and, and concerned for their both well-beings on a, on a, on a friend kind, kind of level. Yeah. So that, that will take us into our double feature of Readings with Rob. Uh, you know, for these chapters, it's, it's a lot of just character building, so don't hate me on my voices too much. So. <laughs> this is your first attempt at a woman? Oh, God, no. I mean, I, I've, done, I've voiced Ma Rain. Um, I've voiced Egwin and, and Nynaeve. Oh, okay. I have some ideas for some of the other women, but I haven't, I haven't unleashed those yet, so... Do we still have Jamaican land? I think so. I haven't tried to, as much as Bill tried to influence me, I'm trying to not be influenced. And, and trying to make him sound one way or another, just keep going the way I've been going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it because the one the one uh, review mentioned, are you trying to, they asked if I was trying to be serious with these. And I'm like, no, not really. But the one I was trying to be serious was with was land. And <laughs> boy, did that come out not serious. Yeah, you got to watch. See, Bill tries to influence you on a lot of stuff because you know it's Bill. Vulcan mind games, that guy. Yeah, you got to watch that guy. <laughs> there you go, Star Trek reference in your Wheel of Time podcast. How about that? Yeah, we're not all about Game of Thrones and <laughs> and uh, Wheel of Time. We got other things in here. Well, I haven't uh, even once thrown a Final Fantasy reference in. He'll just randomly say Sephiroth, or or when uh, we talk about um, Rand's horse Cloud. <laughs> oh yeah, we. Holy crap! We haven't done that either. I, we have. I think Bill and I might have might have gone there once oh. or twice. Rand riding cloud. That's that gets a little chuckle once in a while. You know, we should just occasionally throw in like those Sephiroth, the uh, one winged angel song. <laughs> just occasionally we'd say that. Just Sephiroth also needs here. Da, da, da. Yep. <laughs> oh man. No, we gotta, you know, here at the Taverin Podcast, everyone, we're not all about serious, you know, things. We're also about goofiness. Yes. Oh my gosh, uh, and and uh, ooh, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. Who 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 who's the composer for Final Fantasy? Uematsu, right? Uh, yeah, and, I think so. Holy crap, I'm blanking too. Oh, I think. No. That, oh my god, we'll lose like half listeners because of that. I know. I was going to recommend his his music because some of his music is is some not only just the greatest of video game time, of video yeah. games, but you know it. it some of it can work within the Wheel of Time, too. Not that he wrote his songs for the Wheel yeah. of Time. But, um, yeah, Nabuo. Nabuo. Thank you. Yep. Nabuo Uematsu. Nabuo yep. so Uematsu. We're right. We're good. We're thanks. Right. Thanks, for the, thanks for the save, Rich. But, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> One tangent back into readings with Rob. And now, the Taviren present to you readings with Rob. Chapter 21. Listen to the wind. Suddenly, she put her cup down and sat straight up. If you watch the wolf too hard, she muttered, a mouse will bite you on the ankle. And she looked right at the tree behind where Nynaeve was hiding. Mistress Almera, you may come out now if you wish. Nynaeve scrabbled to her feet, hastily dusting dead leaves from her dress. Lan had spun to face the tree as soon as Maureen's eyes opened. His sword was in his hand before she finished speaking Nynaeve's name. Now he sheathed it again with more force than was strictly necessary. His face was almost as expressionless as ever, but Nynaeve thought there was a touch of chagrin about the set of his mouth. 
She felt a stab of satisfaction. The warder had not known she was there, at least. Satisfaction lasts only a moment, though. She fastened her eyes on Moraine and walked towards her purposefully. She wanted to remain cold and calm, but her voice quivered with anger. What have you meshed Egwin and the boys in? What filthy Aes Sedai plots are you planning to use them in? The Aes Sedai picked up her cup and calmly sipped her tea. When Nynaeve was close enough, Lan put out an arm to bar her way. She tried to brush the obstruction aside and was surprised when the warder's arm moved no more than an oak branch would have. She was not frail, but his muscles were like iron. Tea? Moraine offered. No, I don't want any tea. I would not drink your tea if I was dying of thirst. You won't use any Emmerfield's folk in your dirty eyes and eye schemes. You have very little room to talk, Wisdom. Moraine showed more interest in her hot tea than in anything she was saying. You can wield the one power yourself after a fashion. Nynaeve pushed at Lan's arm again, and it still did not move. And she decided to ignore it. Why don't you try climbing on a trollic? Maureen's smile was so knowing that Nynaeve wanted to hit her. Do you think I can stand face to face with a woman who can touch the true source and channel the one power, even if only now and then, without knowing what she is? Just as you sensed the potential in Egwene, how do you think I knew you were behind the tree? If I had not been distractive, I would have known the moment you came close. You certainly are not a trollic for me to feel the evil of the Dark One. So what did I sense, Nynaeve Almira, wisdom of Emmonsfield, and unknowing wielder of the One Power? Lan was looking down at Nynaeve in a way she did not like, surprised and speculative. It seemed to her, though nothing had changed about his face but his eyes. Egwene was special. She had always known that. Egwene would make a fine wisdom. They're working together, she thought, trying to put me off balance. I won't listen to any more of this, you... You must listen, Moraine said firmly. I had my suspicions at Emmonsfield even before I met you. People told me how upset the wisdom was that she had not predicted the hard winter and the lateness of spring. They told me how good she was at foretelling weather and the telling of crops. They told me how wonderful her cures were, how she sometimes healed injuries that should have been crippling, so well that there was barely a scar and not a limp or a twinge. The only ill word I heard about you was from a few who thought you were too young for the responsibility, and that only strengthened my suspicions. So much skill, so young. Mistress Baran taught me well. She tried looking at Lan, but his eyes still made her uncomfortable. So she settled for staring over the Aes Sedai's head at the river. How dare the village gossip in front of an outlander. Who said I was too young? She demanded. Egwin closed her mouth and stared at him with her jaw set. Finally, she said, You want to go down river? To Whitebridge? If Moraine Sedai doesn't find us here, that's where she will look next. I suppose, Perrin said slowly, that Whitebridge is where we should go, but the Fades probably know that too. That's where they'd be looking, and this time we don't have an Aes Sedai or a water to protect us. I suppose you're going to suggest running off somewhere, 
the way Matt wanted to. Hiding somewhere the fades and trollocs won't find us. Omar reigns to die either. Don't think I haven't considered it, he said quietly. But every time we think we are free, fades and trollocs find us again. I don't know if there's any place we could hide from them. I don't like it much, but we need more rain. I don't understand then, Perrin. Where do we go? He blinked in surprise. She was waiting for his answer, waiting for him to tell her what to do. It had never occurred to him that she would look to him to take the lead. Egway never liked doing what someone else had planned out, and she never let anybody tell her what to do, except maybe the wisdom, and he thought sometimes she balked at that. He smoothed the dirt in front of him with his hand and cleared his throat roughly. <clears throat> if this is where we are now, and that is Whitebridge, he stabbed the ground twice with his finger. Then Cambly should be somewhere around here. He made a third mark off to the side. He paused, looking at the three dots in the dirt. His entire plan was based on what he remembered of her father's old map. Master Alvar said it was not too accurate, and anyway, he had never mooned over it as much as Rand and Matt. But Egwene said nothing. When he looked up, she was still watching him with her hands in her lap. Camelin? She sounded stunned. Camelin. He drew a line in the dirt between the two dots. Away from the river and straight across. Nobody would expect that. We'll wait for them in Camelin. He dusted his hands and waited. He thought it was a good plan, but surely she would have objections now. He expected she would take charge. She was always bullying him into something, and that was all right with him. To his surprise, she nodded. There must be villages. We can ask directions. What worries me, Parrot said, is what we do if the ice had died doesn't find us there. Like, who'd ever thought I'd been worried about something like that? What if she doesn't come to Camelin? Maybe she thinks we're dead. Maybe she'll take Rand and Matt straight to Tarvalon. My rain Sadar said she could find us, Egwene said firmly. If she find us here, she can find us in Camelin, and she will. That was Readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at TavirenPod with your request. All right, and there's a reading with Rob, and if you had paused and, and, and checked out some of the music by... by um. Nabuo Uematsu, so Bill doesn't shoot us for, for messing that name up. Oh my God, he's um, going to yell at us tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he will. Um, so next week, next week we have a good chapter. Uh, we meet another character of the pattern in a chapter known as Wolf Brother. Oh, I like this chapter. <laughs> so hopefully Bill's not going to come in uh, singing any Wolf Mother songs, is he? Oh, God. You know you just did that, and now it's going to happen. <laughs> he was singing the R.E.M. song on this podcast, referencing a game he was playing on your podcast. <laughs> so now now yeah. he's going to go look look through the Wolf Mother catalog and, and sing and sing some Wolf Mother songs. Great. <laughs> oh, well. So if you haven't already, please rate and review us on Apple iTunes. It, it gets us more notoriety, which in turn gets us... Um, more resources to be able to, to, to give you guys a better better quality podcast. Um, 
you know, rate and review on any kind of pod podcasting app you have. Uh, we got the YouTube. Uh, I think there's uh, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, uh, everything. Twitter, hashtag Taverin Pod on Twitter. Um, I see that we're getting a, a lot of shout outs when people are, are blasting the uh, hashtag Twitter time, asking for um, podcast recommendations. We're getting put on those lists. So thanks. Sweet. I know. Thanks so much to the to the Twitter of Time community for, for including us. Um, it really does matter to be part of this great community. Yeah. Consider uh, the fact is, you know, we just started podcasting the show. April. What, a month ago? April, four months. Oh, four, four months? Holy crap. Okay. Did, did you say one uh, month? I thought we were just... <laughs> <laughs> We're like on we're our 20th episode, dude. <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. So we've been doing this for a couple months now. Um, I am still very new to the wheel of time, you know, world. I've read the first two books. Yep. That's why Bill and I have to watch ourselves when you, when you're around. Yep. But that's, that's the beauty of it is like, I love the series. It's, it's a great, um, you know, world that Robert Jordan has created. I mean, this series has been out for how many years? I think the first book was from 90. Yeah. And it's still bringing people you know joy and, and they're really enjoying it um the mo- the uh, tv show's coming i mean it's gonna be you know a big deal for everybody and it, you know if you really want to take the time to to follow us as we take this journey down these 14 books you know there's one 14. point that, that you, you kind of glossed over it a little bit about how how rich and lush this world is yeah and i, and I realized this just the other day the entirety of westeros in Game of Thrones, the entirety of the entire world of Westeros is one country in Wheel of Time, Kerhine. Oh yeah, because Kerhine has as a I'm gonna oh I'm gonna try and pronounce this on on my own Diaz de Mar, the Game of Houses, and the entirety of Westeros is that one country, and it, it gives you an idea of how fleshed out. Jordan's world really is not nothing against Game of Thrones, Song of Iron, of Ice and Fire, and and George R. R. Martin, but his entire his entire main world is encapsulated in just one country in Wheel of Time. That's just crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> anyway, I had fun. Well, we I think we yeah. did a good job here. I think I think Bill Bill may uh, let us have extra extra food and rations for one more day. Sweet, I'm oh, hungry. All right. So, guys, we are going to see you later uh, as we make our way down the L. Take care, guys. Have a good, have a good, uh, have a good week. See ya. Thank you for listening. If you want to continue the conversation, tap into the One Power and contact us on Twitter at TavirenPod. You can also contact Bill at Metunica and Rich at HailBlue1569. You can also reach Rob at his website, digging, D-I-G-G-I-N, diggingdeepsports.com. And, as always, we will see you at the Wine Spring Inn. Here's to another great podcast, gentlemen. Cheers! Ah, damn it, Bill! Not again! Brad! Can you get another round of pints for me and the boys? Yes, yes, again. No, Bill, this time. Thank you, Brad. Much, much appreciated. Now, 
Where were we, men? Actually, I believe it's Rich's turn at the stones table. Hmm? What's that you say? No, no, I don't think old Seth will have that. Friends, this is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. I'm not deep-throating it yet. Oh, I'm recording. You shouldn't have said that. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to go with the Bill Mill birth feeding, but you kind of trumped that right there.